0: This is The Talk Archive. Excellent. Sorry to interrupt your conversations if you're still talking, but I'm doing it anyway. Now is the time to stop. Um, Yeah, excellent. You can find your seats or whatever it is that you need to do. Brilliant. Now our speaker today is the Reverend Tom Swallow, which is very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And Tom is continuing our series on the book of Jonah. Tom and Eloise moved to Blackpool a little while ago. Hopefully you know them. But as Tom comes, would you give him a very rowdy Blackpool welcome? Tom, over to you. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Hello. It's great to be back with you. And I do think that is the first time Andy has ever called me Reverend Tom Swallow, So I'll take it, you know, I'll take it. And it's so great to be back here again so soon and speaking with you today about Jonah, who is one of the most well-known and also unlikely prophets in the entire Bible. Now, last week, Andy was talking about how God changes people's hearts, reminding us how Jonah sets the bar really low for us in that and this week we're going to be exploring that low bar that Andy has that Jonah has set for us and Andy explored for a bit bit with us and we're going to be thinking about it a bit more learning from Jonah and also learning from Jonah as he learns from God we're going to see some of what not to do because Jonah gets some things wrong here and we're going to see some of the bits that he does get right too but this week we're less interested in Jonah's journey of evangelism going to tell people about Jesus. And we're more interested in how his faith holds up as he faces an incomprehensibly hard situation. So I think that this passage shows us three ways that we can face hardship better. And as we explore those ways, I'm going to be trying my hardest not to make too many um, fish puns. So you'll have to bear with me as we, um, as we dive into the passage. Hey. Now, don't worry, that was officially... My last pun. But anyway, um, find us, we're in the book of Jonah, the last verse in chapter one. Um, and we're going to be reading from there to the end of chapter two. Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple." The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Now, if you were here last week, you know the reason Jonah is floating around in the ocean. And no, he's not on his holiday; he's not kicking back under the sun, relaxing. No, no, he's been thrown into the sea, thrown off a ship in the middle of a storm because he was running away. He simply didn't want to be used by God to preach a message that could save his enemies. So he didn't, he ran. He didn't care about them enough. So he ran away. In disobedience to God's call, he was fleeing. I think back to a time when I was at university, I had a friend who we were going to call Matthew. And he came to church, at the same church as me. And we had become friends, even though he was a little shy. And we didn't have lots in common, but we did have our faith. And we enjoyed hanging out and discussing questions about God and about theology. Now, life got slightly busy as it has a habit of doing as you're a student. And I realised that I hadn't seen him for a while. And next time we met, he told me about a new friend he'd made. Now, after that, I started to notice some things were changing for Matthew. We didn't meet up or discuss God anymore. In fact, I saw him less in general at church events at all of our midweek things. He was absent for a bit. We didn't meet up. We didn't discuss anything. And I wasn't even sure if he was growing in his faith anymore. And then when I did see him, he told me stories of things that he'd never talked about before. He'd gone, he was the kind of guy that rarely drank maybe a cider every few weeks until he told me the story of how he finished an entire bottle of Jack Daniels in one night. Now, you don't have to be a genius to know that's not a good idea. And as his friend, I was sat there like asking myself, I started to ask myself this question. What am I going to do about this? Do I just say something to him? How do I say something to him? It's a a bit weird, isn't it? And I could see it wasn't normal for him. And I wanted to say something, but I hadn't seen him as much. It just felt really awkward to kind of be like, oh, can I just challenge you on that? Like, what's going on there? Now, one particular Sunday when I was at church, and so was he, and I remember feeling during our worship towards the end of our service, this kind of prompting and this thought in my head from God, like, go and speak to him. And I thought, I mean, it's probably from God. But then I thought, I kind of dismissed it and was like, no, it's just you're thinking about him. It's not a God thing. It's just you. Just leave it. Just leave it. It's too awkward. Then later on, towards the end of the service, I felt this like feeling in my gut. This feeling in my gut to go and speak to him. It was like a discomfort and an unquiet. And I couldn't kind of leave it it still. But I I looked over again. It was just the end of the service. He was chatting with someone. He was just chatting with someone. I thought, you know, I can't interrupt him. I can't do that. So I I waited. I, I left it. I discovered in that moment, and I've discovered it since as well, I am a master of making excuses when it comes to not listening to God. I'm great at it. I am absolutely great at it. And here are some of the best excuses I've used and I've seen since then. So, you know, it, it could just be my thought, this. It's probably not God. It's probably me. So I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to ignore it. The other one, he's chatting with someone, you know. He's chatting with someone, and God... God wouldn't want me to interrupt him because that's rude. So I can't interrupt him. That would, be, that would be incredibly rude of me and God would not want me to be rude. Another one that like I, I felt like, I'm scared. Like, What if I go over there and I say something wrong? What if I say something wrong? What if I upset him? I can't do that. Another one that I've wrestled with a lot as well. What if, I'm not good enough for this. God wouldn't ask me to do it. He would ask somebody else. There's lots of better people in this church that can go and speak to him. So I will leave it and I'll let God ask one of them to do it. Sometimes we use practical things and these are a little bit ridiculous, but I guarantee I have used every single one of them. Sometimes it's, you know, we used to meet in the evening. It's quarter to nine. I need to go to bed. I can't stay and chat with someone. It's bedtime, you know. I've never been to bed at nine o'clock in my life. But um I've got to go to bed. I cannot stay and chat. I see the same thing here at the end of the service. I wonder how many of you have got to the end of our service, 12:30 gone, must be lunchtime now. God might be prompting me. I might feel his Holy Spirit saying to me to, to pray or to go and see someone, but lunchtime, lunchtime. I've got to go, I've got to dash off, can't be late. Or maybe it's even more worse than a kind of generic time issue. Maybe it's, I've got something important to do. You know, when you have something important to do and God says, can you do this? And you go, "Mm, it's probably not as important as the thing I had planned. So I'll just do that instead. I've done that before. Or maybe we're like Jonah and Jonah in this passage, he looks at the the thing God's asked him to do and he says, "Ah, I'm not sure I like them enough. I'm not sure they deserve to hear God's grace, to hear his mercy, to hear his message of love and welcome. I don't think they deserve it. So I'm just gonna, going to leave it. I'm not going to bother. Now ultimately, when push comes to shove, I'm glad to say I did say something to him. It took a while, longer than it should have done. And whilst I didn't see the changes I wanted to see in his life, particularly not quickly, I did see him grow closer to God over some time again. And I found over the years that even when I'd much rather make an excuse, use one of those many excuses I listed, it's better to try and obey God, even just to say, and this can be okay to say, God, I think you might want me to do this. I'm not entirely sure, but because I think you do, I'm going to try. I'm going to try and follow you. I hope that's okay. Because God loves it when we try to follow him. He loves it when we follow him correctly, but he loves it when we try because we're trying to do the right thing. So even if we get it wrong, if we say, God, I'm going to try to do this because I think it's what you want from me, He's he's cheering you on. He is happy. He is whooping in heaven. So any of you who are just like me, who know what it is to make a good excuse to not do something from God, we we can relate to Jonah today because that's what he does. But whatever it is that causes our or his disobedience, I think the passage tells us that obedience to God is the first way that we can learn to face hardship better. We like Jonah, the need to learn to be obedient to God. I could just imagine how much easier it would have been for Jonah if he'd gone, ah, God, I don't really like those people. I don't really want to go and tell them a thing. But because you've said, that's what you want me to do, I'm going to try. And if he'd just gone to Nineveh straight away, there'd be a lot less time in whale stomachs. And that's probably a desirable thing. Even after Jonah fails to do that, even after he fails to listen to God, God uses him for God's purpose. At first, it's the men on the boat who all end up crying out to the Lord. They come to know God through Jonah's disobedience. But it's not only them. And actually, God uses them and other people, other things to show Jonah what obedience to the Lord looks like. I'm gonna ask you to cast your your minds back for a second to school. And maybe this didn't happen. It's happened a lot in the classes I was in. You'd be sat in a class and a teacher would come like come in and be like, oh, come on, you're 10, come on. I had you Seven in before break and they were doing so much better than you. They were so much better behaved than you are. Did anyone else have that? The teacher would be like, look, they're better than you. Yeah? Yeah. Or even I remember primary school, my teacher looking through the window to the classroom next door and saying, oh, Miss Honey's class are so much better behaved than you. Why can't you guys just sit down quietly and do your work? Well, there's actually a moment in, like that in this passage where God decides to demonstrate what obedience looks like to Jonah. And it's not necessarily what you're thinking of. Just imagine the conversation here. God, the teacher, Jonah, the student, and God says, come on. Well, if you can't do it, if you, you can't do what I'm gonna ask you to, I'm gonna get the great flipping fish from next door and he's gonna come along and he's gonna do what I told him to do. Because that's how the passage ends. There's a rather humorous moment. It's ridiculous, Really? where God commands a giant fish to do something rather than the rebellious prophet. If even the great fish can follow God's commands, can be obedient to God, surely Jonah and all of us can too. So if you're interested in growing in obedience to God today, I've got two things, a couple of really quick things that you might find helpful in that. Number one, read your Bible. It's really simple. It's really easy. If you want to know how to live obediently to God, what would be better than a book that was like a a manual, a how-to, had some examples, a bunch of instructions? That would be something you'd want to read, right? And that's what the Bible is. That is what it is. You have to read it. You don't have to read all of it. You don't have to read lots of it at once, but you have to read it daily if you can. Try and read a little chunk at a time. Try and let God teach you through his spirit and through his living word. And my second thing is be in community. And if you're in this church, that means be in a group. If you're not in a group, come and chat with me at the end and I'll sign you up to a group today because being in a group is so helpful. I find having other people who I can ask questions of, can pray with, can wrestle with God's and what it means to be obedient to him with really, really helpful. And I've actually often found that I hear God better through other people. So if I'm with them, I'm going to hear God more and that is going to make it easier to follow him. So be in community. Now my second point today is as well as Jonah's um, disobedience in the passage, we see his openness with God. Once Jonah has nothing left, once he has nothing else to do, nowhere else to run, from deep in the realm of the dead, he called for help. Now the bulk of today's reading is just that. The, the bulk of today's reading is this kind of um, cry of lament, which is like a passionate expression of his grief. It's pain, it's anger, it's all those things. And Jonah is just praying that all to God. It's a little psalm, and it's sandwiched between the start narrative and the end narrative, but they're both really short. Most of it is this like, cry of lament. And actually for us, it's an invitation to understand how Jonah is feeling. And for Jonah, it's him opening himself up to God. Saying, look, God, this is where I am. This is how I feel. This is what I think you've done. And he says, look, I'm feeling distressed. I feel like you've banished me. and I feel like I'm already descending to my death. Now, opening to, up to God is a bit of like going to the doctor. Follow me here for a second. Walking into the, from the waiting room into the doctor's office, sitting down as the doctor says, oh, hi, Tom. Um, what can I help you with today? And you go, it's private, actually. It's private. I don't want to tell you. And when they says, okay, well, when did you start feeling unwell? You go, hmm, I'm not sure I should tell you that one actually. It feels a bit 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 weird. Okay, so what are your symptoms then? And you go, they're definitely too personal for me to tell you about. I can't tell you what hurts. Definitely not. Okay, and then the doctor says, So how do you feel? It's his last question, his last chance. And we go, we all say this, it's the most common lie I think that's told. I'm fine. How are you? You know, doctor, you look a bit tired. In minutes, I think we go from seeking help from God or from a doctor and, and that kind of seeking that support to seeing what we can do for them. Sometimes people feel like they can only ever do things for God. Like God doesn't want like, to know them. He just wants them to do things for him. And they just want to do things for him. But that's absolute rubbish. God wants to help you. He wants to help you whatever's going on. He wants to hear about it. He wants you to open up and tell him the truth. Even as you follow and obey him and you do things for and with him, he wants to be healing you. He wants you to be opening yourself up and inviting him into more of your life. If we're honest with the doctor, they're able to tell us what the issue is. They're able to tell us how they're going to treat it and find the best way forward for us. If we are honest with God... He is able to listen to you, to draw alongside you, to be with you and help you find the best way forward. And we see that happening in this passage. It's better to tell, not to hide anything from God because we can tell him everything. Just like Jonah, we are able to express our full range of emotions, our full range of emotions to God, whatever we are feeling. If all you want to do is complain and express our grief, he wants to hear it. I want to say that again, because I think this is revolutionary. I don't think people told me this, but if all you want to do is complain and express your grief and your pain and your anger, God wants to hear that today. So so speak to him, be open with him. See, it's okay to not be okay. It's the kind of cliched thing that you get on like tote bags and notebooks. You say, it's okay to not be okay. And whilst it is a cliched thing, it's kind of right. It is okay to not be okay. But in, and importantly, it's okay to like open up to God about not feeling okay. But it's not okay to stay feeling that way forever. It would be pretty ridiculous if Jonah got in the fish and went, yeah, God, I want to stay in the fish forever now because it just sucks. I'm going to stay here forever. Jonah doesn't want to stay in the fish. Of he doesn't want to stay in the fish. And we don't want to stay stuck in our like situations and difficulties. Now, this isn't me preaching some kind of prosperity gospel where I say, you know, if we pray to God and we believe in him, that everything will be fixed and all our situations will be better. I'm not saying we'll win that lottery. It's a shame. I'm not saying that our family members will even always be healed. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, tells us that the secret to Jonah's prayer, and what we can learn from it, is this. Paul says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, listen to what Paul doesn't say there. Paul doesn't say, I love being in need. Paul doesn't say, I'm really happy in every situation. Paul doesn't say, I've never been angry with God. Paul doesn't say, I never begged God to do something, and he didn't. But those things happened. Paul doesn't love being in need. He isn't happy in every situation. But what he is, he's offering that with God, with his strength, he has been content in all situations. And Jonah gets to point that point halfway through his prayer. When he's being honest and open with God, he gets that in verse six. So I really want to encourage you today, however you're feeling, whatever situations you're facing or you're in, be open with God. Tell him um, and let him draw fully alongside you because you've opened up every part of yourself to him. But I encourage you again, once you do that, as you open yourself up to God, Don't rush off, because this is really easy to do, particularly here on a Sunday morning. Don't rush off, wait in that place. Open yourself up and let God come alongside you. Let him respond, let him draw near to you. And if it's hard or if it's painful, do it with someone else. Do it with someone with you trust. Come forward later for prayer and let one of our team pray and wait with you and with God. Now, my third point, my third point is this. Whilst I said earlier in the passage, the majority of the passage is Jonah's prayer, we see this brief narrative at the very start and the very end. And in it, we see the impossibility of escaping God's presence and the foolishness of trying to escape God. In the entire passage, in the entirety of the book of Jonah, we see Jonah's dependence on God. We see Jonah's dependence on God. Even in the, the whale as he's running away, we see his dependence on God. And that is my third way to face hardship better. Dependence. Fully depend on God. Now, there's something really interesting in the passage that we see as we follow Jonah's journey. In fact, it starts the chapter, it's in the chapter we read last week in chapter one. As Jonah goes like to leave the Lord, to, to kind of run away from him, to leave him behind, He goes down to Joppa to get on a boat. And from deep in the realm of the dead, he prayed. He says, you hurled me into the depths. Everything swept over me. To the roots of the mountain, I sank down. The deep surrounds me. Jonah goes down and down and down and down and down to the deep. He sees no hope. His life is over. He has nothing left. But then he says this, and this is crucial. Then he says, but you, Lord. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. Jonah lost everything down in the bottom of the pit. He lost everything going down there. But because of his interaction with God down there, who he depended on, we see him start to go back up. But you, Lord, maybe today you feel like everything is going down. Maybe like there's just stuff over you, pushing you down. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's not having work. Maybe it's health or family or relationships. Maybe it's anxiety or stress or addiction. Whatever it is, you can learn from Jonah's prayer here, from his dependence on God. And you can pray, but you, Lord, in your situations today. But, You, Lord, brought my life up from the pit. But you, Lord, released me from my stress. But you, Lord, freed me from anxiety. But you, Lord, draw close to me in the pain of loss. Depend on God and you will find he's not going to leave you alone in the deep. He will be with you in the pit and he will come out of the pit with you too. And finally, it is no coincidence that Jonah was in the whale whale or the fish for three days and for three nights, just like Jesus was in the earth for three days and for three nights. It makes it clear to us that whilst Jonah may look like the star of the story, actually, God is the star of the story. And today it reminds us here that when we feel like we're stuck down in a hard situation, we know in fact that we have a God who has been there in fact, went there, went down to nothing of his own free will for you and for me. He is committed to you. He's committed to you when you're in those places. He's committed to you when you're not in those places. So are you committed to him when you're in those places? That's my question. Are you committed to him when you're stuck in the deep? Hopefully today we can join in Jonah's declaration that comes at the very end of that passage where he says, salvation comes from the Lord. So this week, my three things, hopefully you should learn these from Jonah today. Be obedient to God. Be fully open with God. And depend on God above everything else. Now, I'd love to encourage you as we get to our time of communion and prayer to come forward and commit yourself again to God. And if you want to do that with people, there'll be people to pray for you at the front. So in Jesus' name, we'll finish there. Amen.